the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith, with a cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, I trust that everybody had a wonderful and uh, successful Thanksgiving day and gave much thanks and ate much turkey and probably took a few naps. (laughs) (laughs) And gained some weight, too. And gained some weight. (laughs) So we hope you've come out of your L-tryptophan comas uh, long enough to listen to tonight's (laughs) broadcast. (laughs) And since we've had such a tremendous response to our new series on the trivia questions from the Bible, uh, that we've decided to continue this series. And with the Christmas season upon us, we're going to turn our holiday sights on, you guessed it, Christmas trivia. Trivia that will shock you, surprise you, bless you, grow you, and mature you. So tonight, Dr. Bruckner brings us part 10 on the trivia questions from the Bible as it relates to the Christmas season. So stay tuned for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, awesome uh, introduction and the uh, way you laid that out in the name of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, uh, Gary is absolutely right. We uh, realize that this is the month uh, to celebrate uh, our Savior and God coming into the world. Uh, in human flesh. And it tells us in John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14 said, and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ came into the world as God in human form. And we praise the Lord for that. He came into the world to not only save us from our sins, but to resurrect us from death, grave, and uh, anything else that tries to bury us into sin. And we are thankful to the Lord for that. Now, uh, we're going to come to the Bible trivia questions related to Christmas, and our first one is this one. Question number one, how many wise men were there? How many wise men were there? Now, we, when we look at Christmas cards and we look at tradition and we look at uh, the world around us today, they always tell us that there were three, three wise men. Well, the Bible doesn't teach that, unfortunately. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach three wise men. You will not find that from Genesis to Revelation nor in the Gospels. Where did it come from? Well, it came from the tradition of the Roman Catholic Church started teaching that, <clears throat> and many started uh, even saying uh, in the Catholic Church that in the 12th century, uh, someone discovered some uh, three skulls, and they said from those three skulls, they said those were the three wise men. Well, uh, that is something that the Bible doesn't teach as well. 
There's a lot of tradition out there, and you got to test all things and hold fast to that which is true, which is the Word of God. Now, <clears throat> let me answer the question on how many wise men were there. Let me answer that by saying there was hundreds of them. Why do I say that? Why do I say that it was hundreds of them? Because, you know, they would never travel, wise men would never travel in the desert uh, with uh, only three men or less than three. They would travel in hundreds because outsiders would attack them, especially if they had gold. They would attack them, and sometimes they would kill them, not only attack them, but they would kill them. So they traveled in bands. They traveled in hundreds uh, for the protection of not only their own lives, but also for the uh, protection of their property, merchandise. Another thing that you need to know about these wise men is that uh, the reason why I said that there was hundreds of them, because when they came to Jerusalem, I want you to notice this. I want you to take a note of this. When they came to Jerusalem, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 3 said, And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. I want you to make a note of that and understand this fact, that uh, Herod is not going to be troubled with three men. <laughs> he looked outside of the window uh, and saw... Uh, hundreds of these men coming to worship Jesus Christ, and he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, another important thing for us to know why they were troubled, if you study history, is this fact, that Herod was in his place, his palace, but all of his soldiers and his army was out to battle so that enhanced the trouble because he said, my goodness, these hundreds of men are coming into Jerusalem, and maybe they're out to get me. And so he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And this is what Matthew 2 and verse 3 says, and you do an exegetical study of the background of why this man was troubled. And uh, really, he should have been on the battlefield with those uh, military people, just like David. He got into a lot of trouble, you see, because he was not on the battlefields. All of his men were out fighting, and he should have been out there fighting with them. We always get into trouble with idling time. Idling time is the devil's workshop. If you don't find something to do, the devil will find something for you to do. Now, uh, that is breaking this down in terms of uh, these wise men. There's a lot to learn about them, and they were wise not because they were wise men. They were wise because they were uh, following somebody who was the wisest person on this planet, which is Jesus Christ. He's the zenith of knowledge. He's the zenith of wisdom, and you just become wise. That's what the book of Proverbs teaches. You become wise when you follow the wisest one that ever lived on this planet. He gives you wisdom to live every day, you know, to deal with the battles of life, to deal with the blessings of life, to teach you. Just read the book of Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. And it tells us in First Corinthians chapter 
One, that Jesus is the power and wisdom of God. Now, God's power and wisdom never was created. Now, that's a scripture on the deity of Christ. You say, how is that, Dr. Buckner? Because it says he's the power and wisdom of God. Has there been any time that God's power and wisdom was ever created? If Jesus is called the power and wisdom of God, that it means that he is the zenith of God's power and the essence and being of God. Now, I want to say something else to you that's important about these wise men. Another question is, a second question is, how did they know? How did the wise men know about Jesus' birth? I believe when you look at history and you go all the way back to the Old Testament, this is something that very few people know. When you go back into history, I believe that through Daniel, this faithful man of God, this young man who was faithful in God and had wisdom and knowledge above all of the magis and all of the musicians, they looked up to Daniel, and Daniel not only prophesied, and his prophecy overshadowed the prophecies of the Magi's, and they looked up to him, and matter of fact, they not only looked up to him, but they looked up to the prophecies that he was prophesying regarding Jesus. And so generation after generation, pay attention to this carefully. Generation after generation, these wise men wanted to follow the teachings of the Old Testament, which led them to the very place of Bethlehem, where Jesus was literally born. That's something very important for us to make a note of regarding these wise men. Very, very important for us to understand. And once we understand it, we will truly be blessed by uh, these wise men. And there's so much to learn about them and what they're about. And and they tradition even tried to say, and I want to make a note of this, that they were not kings. Oh, there goes the the three kings of the Orient are. No, the Bible doesn't say anything about three kings. Some people have even suggested that through the years that they were actually chosen kings and they were chosen three wise men because it goes back to the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. All of this stuff is just tradition, man's words, not the Bible itself. Very important for us to understand. Now, let me say this. Number three, question number three, what did the gold, frankincense, and mirth represent? Because they had these three, and people have assumed, and they've speculated. It's an inductive inference that we say in philosophy, an assumption. They assumed that the gold, frankincense, and mirth, because three gifts were given, that there were three wise men. No, the Bible doesn't say that. Now, what does these three gifts mean? By the way, they brought these gifts to Jesus' parents. Because Jesus was so young, 
but it represents a lot around Jesus, and the parents enjoyed it. It's nothing wrong with uh, uh, giving gifts, but you better make sure Jesus is in the middle of it. Don't just get together with the family and celebrate opening up gifts and acknowledging St. Nicholas and not Jesus. These wise men came to worship Jesus. That was their number one priority. What will be your number one priority on this Christmas? The gifts, Santa Claus, the reindeers, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Say something about that red nose and say, that red nose represents the blood of Jesus Christ. That, Yes, yeah, that can represent the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it's a purpose in all the things of the Christmas characters. But what does these three gifts represent? Let me say this in closing. The goal, make a note of this, the goal represents Jesus as a king. The frankincense represents Jesus as a priest. The mirth represents Jesus' death. All of these things were used by the priests. Oh, it's such great truth around all of this stuff that relates to Christmas. He that has an ear, let him hear and be convicted in his ear regarding the Bible trivia questions regarding Christmas. Brother Gary. Well, all right, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecturer, Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. How much turkey did you eat? No, just <laughs> Again, we just want to thank everyone who's been praying for Contending for the Faith. And without your, your diligent prayers, we, we would never have stayed on the air for so many years. So we also want to thank those who gave over the last two weeks, David, Lucy, Rick, C.R., Charles, Diane, Ronald, Jackie, Jim, Kim, Scott, Bunny, and Bailey. And uh, we can't thank you enough for listening to the Spirit of God and being so generous to help us and to partner with us financially here at Contending for the Faith we want to remind everyone that it costs 400 a week to stay on the air, and especially during this Christmas time, you know, remember contending for the faith with a Christmas gift of giving. Remember us, uh, you know, with a gift under the tree, except don't let it sit under the tree, send it in. <laughs> Amen. 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 You know, it's so important. Um the Lord wants us to be a blessing to others. If you have been blessed by this program and Dr. Buckner's teachings, you know, consider give a gift to keep this vital ministry on the air. There's two ways to give. One, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, spelled T-I-B-U-R-O-N, California, 94920. And second way, so much easier. Just go on your computer, your laptop, your smartphone, and go to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org, and click on the Donate button. It's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. 
And especially during these holiday seasons, we get busy, busy, busy. And we worry about gifts. We worry about giving presents and we worry about getting presents. And we think about all the stuff that goes on and whether or not we're going to have enough money to do what we need to do and on and on and on. And next thing you know, you're buying a bottle of Rolaids and you're trying to figure out why your stomach hurts and heartburn is kicking in. (laughs) You need peace. You know, and spend that time with God. Spend quality time with the Lord and find that peace, and he'll give you direction. And I guarantee you, you'll discover that giving is better than receiving. And that if you are a blessing to ministries like ours and others, you're going to be a blessing for time and eternity. Lives will be touched and changed. What, a, what, a, what a, an amazing gift to give. And, you know, we want to encourage you that that gift goes ahead of you into eternity. That gift goes ahead of you into heaven, you know, where the moth can't get and, and rust can't hurt it and the thief can't steal it. And, you know, one day God will sh- surely bless you for it. So we want to encourage you. Be a blessing to this ministry. Partner with us through prayer and partner with us financially. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those uh, encouraging words and challenging words and This is a good time to start that. If you've never given to this ministry uh, and others that have blessed you, this is a good time to do that because this is the time of giving, you know, and you can send us a card and let us know, a Christmas card, and let us know how much this program has blessed you, but also a financial blessing. That will be a great gift for us for Christmas. So we hope you'll make a note of that and uh, be generous uh, this time of the year, and, and don't spend all of your your money on gifts. Amen. You know, spread it out for the glory of God. All right, Brother Gary, let's go to uh, our first caller. Yes, we got a new caller tonight. Looks like Megan is waiting patiently. Megan? Me- Megan, how you doing? Hi, good. Oh, that's good. Is this your first time calling in? <laughs> yes, it is. Well, it's good to have you uh, with Contending for the Faith tonight, and uh uh, how can we help you? Yeah, so um, my question is, um, how do I grow in patience with the Lord when I have doubts that, like, constantly haunt me every day and kind of, in a way, tarnish my faith, you know, ever so slightly? Well, that's a good question. And, uh, you know, there's uh, two major, the three major things you need to do uh, to revolutionize your life and your faith. And one of the things is that you need to just uh, fall down on your knees and cry out to God and confess your sins uh, for not allowing the power of God to come into your life. And, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to take uh, resident. uh, And 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 once he takes resident, he'll become president of your life in all areas of your life. And so uh, you need to make a note of Galatians 5 and 22 because once you confess your sins, all the wrong you've done, then the second thing is say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Because uh, as Dwight Lyman Moody said in his book, Secret Powers, many people, uh, Christians, are praying for God to fill them when they're already filled with something else. He said there has to be an emptying before there can be a filling. And when we empty ourselves of pride and empty ourselves of sin and self-seeking and ambition, then the Holy Spirit will come upon us just like he did with the tabernacle in the Old Testament and overtake us in so many areas of our lives. And so 
you know, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in Galatians 5 and 22, but in that whole chapter that there were some in the Galatian church that were filled with the flesh, and they were constantly being defeated. But he said he challenged them to be filled with the Spirit. And one of the the fruit of the Spirit is all laid out in Galatians uh, 5 and 22, and I would challenge you to say, Lord, give me this in my life, the uh, the love, more love, joy, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering, and patience, and gentleness, and goodness, and faith. The Holy Spirit will renew your faith, and meekness, and you know, and self-control. Those are the, those, that's the first thing. The second thing that you need to do is after you do that, you put on the full armor of God. You know, Ephesians 6 and 10 through 18, you, you got to arm yourself against the enemy because if you don't get equipped, you will get whipped. And all the pieces of the armor are laid out and you need to have that on every day to shield your faith because the devil throws those fiery darts at your faith and the and and the and the armor will shield you against the attacks of the enemy so you got to get yourself into the armor of god and you know and then the third thing is you got to get into the word of god uh you know a chapter a day keeps the devil away a verse a day keeps the devil away. And see, the the Word of God has transforming effects. And when you get in the Word of God and get the Word of God into you, it transforms your mind, and it purifies you, it cleanses you, and it renews you, and it, it empowers you. Also, the Holy Spirit empowers you. See, when, you, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have self-control, Galatians 5 and 22. So you need to be filled with the Spirit, and then, the, the, let me say, add one more thing. Uh, are you are you involved with any church? Are you involved with any fellowship? Um, currently, not now. I used to, but not right now. Well, see, that's the, the reason why the enemy is getting the best of you, too. You need to be accountable into a fellowship. Hebrews 10 and 25 says, Don't forsake the assemblies of ourselves together, as the manner of some is. Uh, so you need to be accountable around uh, godly women in your life that will hold you accountable, a pastor who you can hear the word and other believers, you know, because you can take, you can take a, a lamb and he can be on the top of a mountain and he can look down. If he see one lamb by himself, he licks his chops for lamb chops. Not a lamb, a wolf. I'm a wolf, rather. A wolf, a wolf on the top of a mountain. If he's on the top of a mountain, a wolf, and he looks down, and he sees literally a lamb by itself, he licks his chops for lamb chops. But when that wolf on the top of the mountain, when he sees a lamb surrounded with a whole bunch of other lambs, then he knows he needs to go in another direction. So the wolf will come at you when you're singly by yourself, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to be singly by yourself. So the, you got to watch out for that wolf that's always trying to attack in some way or another, and he will try to get you when you are by yourself. So does that help you out, what I'm trying to lay out before you? Oh, yeah. Yes, and, thank you so much. And I'm going to have Gary to add just one more thing to what we're saying before mm-hmm. we get to the next call, and then we're going to pray for you. Yeah. So, Megan, you know, the most important relationship you'll ever have on this side of heaven and the next is your relationship with the Lord, right? 
And, right. and, in, and just like a relationship you may have with a friend or a parent or a loved one, if you don't spend time with that person, what happens to the relationship? It grows apart. It grows apart, right? And so God created you to have fellowship with him, to be in relationship with him. That means you spend time with him every day, right? You spend time in God's presence through prayer and in God's word. He speaks to you through his word. And as you do that, you begin to grow and you begin to hear God's voice, right? Moses, right. Moses was on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He came back different from spending time with God, right? Scripture says he glowed. It looked like he was next to a nuclear reactor. The, the, the children of Israel said, we can't look at you. Put a, a veil over your face. Why? Because he, res, he reflected the glory of God, because he'd been in God's presence. And so when we are in God's presence, we begin to reflect that glory as well. We begin to, to have God's peace. God's patience is upon us. We have wisdom. We get supernatural uh, 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 power. And so that's why it's so important that every day, you know, be consistent in your time with God. It's like I call it a divine appointment every day. You, you, you need to spend that time. You know you've set aside that, that time with God before you leave the house. You know you're going to spend that five to ten minutes with God and that five minutes in, in, in the Word to begin with and that you're covered and that you have wisdom for the day and that you have God's presence throughout the day and that you things begin to not bother you. You be patient with people. Why? Because God is changing you from the inside out just by being with Him. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. And see, when we fail to do that, that's the first thing that leaves is our peace. That's right. right? Things mm-hmm. begin to bother you that normally wouldn't. Right. People begin to get right. on your, your last nerve and your reserve nerve, as Dr. Buckner says. Right. <laughs> and okay. that's when we lose patience because we haven't spent that time with God. You know, we, we, we get that when we spend time with God. We have that patience. We have that peace. Things don't bother us. And people at work will begin to look at you like, what? There's something different. You know, everybody else is running around here nervous and upset or or out of sorts, and you're always at peace. Why is that? Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, there's an opportunity for you to share Christ. Yeah, I have peace because God gives me peace. I have peace because I spend time with God every day, and I hear his voice, and he gives me direction. He gives me peace. He gives me uh, deliverance. He gives me wisdom, right? All these things, these byproducts happen as a result of you spending time with God. Amen. Well said. So we hope that uh, these words have been really encouraging to you. Thank you, Brother Gary. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what? We're going to pray for you right now, but we want to also encourage you to take down our number so that uh, if there is a church that we can refer you to, we would uh, love to do that. So you can, if you can't find a church and you don't know of any church, and you can let us know where you're located, and we can recommend some uh, well, healthy, balanced churches for you too. Yeah, because you. be careful of isolation. That's the the enemy's biggest weapon. If he can get you off alone, uh, he'll work you over, put you in a dark place, have your thoughts on the wrong things. It just spirals out of control. You 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 don't want to be that isolated Christian. It's it's a dangerous place. Like you said, you're that lamb that gets picked off. That's right. Mm. By that wolf is yeah. out there waiting to get you, and the Bible never talks about saint saints in the singular. It's always in the plural. That means <laughs> that they're always 
together, and that's why it uses the word saints, plural. Well, let's pray for you right now. We have Brother Gary to pray for you. And, Lord, we just thank you for Megan. We thank you for uh, speaking to her heart that she called in tonight, Lord God, and she desires patience. She desires peace. She desires all those blessings that come out of Galatians, Those the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Let, let it be upon her life, Lord God. And we pray that you would lead her to a good, healthy church, Lord God, where she could get good fellowship, where people will love on her, where she will receive good teaching, and uh, the Word of God will be given to her every week, Lord God. And that, Lord God, you, you called her name before the foundations of the earth. And your Word says that you prepared a work for her to do. And, Lord God, I pray that, Lord, as she draws near to you, you would draw near to her. And, Lord God, that you would reveal that work that you created her to do, that she would have that that satisfaction of knowing that that good thing you started in her, you're going to bring it to completion. So, Lord, we ask your blessing be upon her, strengthen and encourage her. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Gary. Uh, Megan, it's so good to hear from you and... uh, you know, make sure that you apply everything that we've been saying to you because God is speaking to you through us. And uh, we appreciate you and appreciate your courage in calling us, and we trust that you got encouraged and blessed tonight. Thank you so much. All righty. Well, you keep listening and call us in a few weeks and let us know where you're at. Okay, yeah. Yeah, call again. All right. All right. I hear the, the, the theme music is playing, so it's time for us to take a commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. And once again, we just want to thank all of you who have been praying for this ministry. It's so important. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. And we know your prayers have touched uh, the face of God time and time again because we are still on the air and we are still doing the work God has called us to do. And we continuously uh, request those prayers to keep going up, as well as we ask that you partner with us financially. It does cost us 400 a week to stay on the air, and especially during the Christmas holidays. Now is the time to give, and especially give to ministries like Contending for the Faith and others. It's a time to give and to share not only gifts and presents and, and uh, great food and fellowship, but it's time to also to give the word of God, give the gift that never ceases to give. And that's God's word and God's, God's uh, power. And, and through ministries like this, you are able to touch so many lives. So we want to encourage you. Now's the time to be a blessing for contending for the faith. If this program has blessed you over the years, if you're a longtime listener or if this is your first time and God is moving upon your heart, then listen to that call and uh, partner with us financially. There's two ways you can give. One is through um, check or money order to send it to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Just get on your laptop, your computer, your smartphone, your tablet. Go online to contendingfaith.org contendingfaith.org, hit the donate button, and away you go. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity, touching lives, changing hearts. God will be using you, and you'll be blessed. We guarantee it. All right, Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. And I just want to put out there a prayer for um, someone that uh, I know and uh, knew them over a short time but really developed a really good uh, friendship with them. I 
uh, met them at the pastor's appreciation, and uh, it was a dynamic time because uh, her name was Jonetta uh, Allsworth, and she was excited about uh, meeting me and heard me on the radio and was trying to do a lot of things in the uh, Bay Area to get ministers together to uh, do conferences and workshops and uh, that sort of thing. And then uh, I got a uh, uh, chance to meet her at the Pastor's Appreciation and her and her husband, two uh, beautiful people, dynamic in the Lord. And uh, and the next thing you know that I got an email about uh, four or five days ago, and uh, it said that uh, Janetta Allsworth uh, passed away and, uh, and, and died, and it was due to a flare-up uh, with her asthma due to the fires and the smoke in the air. And my wife and I looked at each other and said, you know what, uh, we're so vulnerable. You know, we just never know when our last day going to be on this planet. And you better make sure that you not only have insurance, but you have assurance. And uh, work well in this day, Jesus said, because the night cometh when no man can work. And he said, oh, come as a thief in the night. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if you're not right with Jesus, get right with him now before it's too late. Because the next second is not guaranteed to you, you know. And we oftentimes will say, you know, uh, to, tomorrow is not guaranteed uh, to you. I'm going to say today is <laughs> not guaranteed to you as well. You know, you never know what's going to happen to you today. Tonight, when you lay your head down on that pillow, you don't know if you're going to wake up. I had a friend that, Dr. Sid Smith, he was my mentor, went to sleep with his wife, and uh, she woke up, and he was cold as ice. You just never know. Be ready, my friends. Well, Brother Gary, let's get to our next caller. All right. We're going to CC, who's been waiting patiently. And, and uh, CC, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? We are truly blessed, my brother. You know, and we're more than blessed. And we uh, have Brother Rick on as well, waiting after you to get on as mm-hmm. well. So, so so please tell us the dog didn't eat your homework. <laughs> Amen. Uh, uh, no, he didn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Well, let's get, let's get to your homework assignment uh, quickly and uh, go through it and give us the scripture and let's go to it and have you to give us feedback on what you what you learned. Okay, um, I'm going. To, it's going to be Revelation chapter eleven, verse one. Okay, righty. Let's go to Revelation. Uh, chapter 11 and verse 1, and why don't you read it and then give us uh, some meat on it. No bones, okay. but some meat. It said, There was given me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and them that worship. And thus is the reading the word. Now this one, it gives us a little history that the book of Revelation was written by the apostle John um, he had been excommunicated um, to uh, exile to the island of Patmos. Patmos was an island um, that was situated between the west, Tur- west coast of Turkey and a continent of Asia. And he was here because of he was exiled by preaching the gospel. And so this is where he began to get revelation from God to write the book of Revelation. And um, I want to start in verse 1. It says, And there was given me a reed. Unto like a unto a rod, and an angel said, stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple 
of God, the altar, and them that worship. And so first thing I want to notice is in verse 1, he talks about a reed. And this reed is a Greek word, kalamos, and it refers to a measuring rod. And this uh, reed is grew up in the Jordan Valley about 15 to 20 feet high. It was a measuring reed that was used by the Jews. It was about six cubits. And in fact, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was uh, told to use a reed to measure the temple. And even in the book of Revelation, when the apostle John began to talk to uh, the angel concerning the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven in Revelation 21, which represents the church in its glorified state, the angel referred to using a golden reed to measure the temple. This reed was also used in terms of the crucifixion in Jesus Christ in AD 33 and was crucified. The uh, soldiers gave him a crown of thorns, and they gave him a scepter. Well, this word scepter could be translated reed, and they used this reed to viciously brute beat Jesus in the head with it, which means he was bruised for our transgressions and, and crushed for our iniquities. This reed was also used in mention of Jesus Christ, meaning that he would rule the nation with a rod of iron. And then it says, There was given me unto the angel stood, saying, Measure the temple. Now, a temple of God. Now, the act of measuring indicates a separation between a portion that God um, honors. Also, um, verse 1 and 2 give us a distinction between Jews and Gentiles. There's a distinction between Jews and Gentiles in this uh, period. The act of measuring also represents God's protection and his favor upon the people. It also represents that this is his true gospel church, and God's elect symbolizes the sanctuary of Jerusalem. And the first thing he says to measure is the temple. Now, the temple of God represents Jesus Christ, and there are several things in the temple that points to Jesus Christ, the typology of Christ. In the temple, you have the labor of washing, which represents Christ being our sanctification. Also, you have the table of showbread, which represents Christ, the bread that we feed on. He said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And also, at the Last Supper, he broke bread with his disciples. And also in the temple was the can the menorah which lit up the lit up the temple christ is our light who comes into this dark world and penetrates the heart of dark men with his light dark men's heart and, and brings them to a saving knowledge of who he is and also there was the altar of incense this is where the priests would go in to intercede and pray for the people this represents christ being our one who intercedes for us he made he, he lived forever to make intercession for us and he intercedes and then also was where uh, a part of the Holy of Holies, where the uh, priests would go in to offer up sacrifices on the behalf of the pe- uh, would off on behalf of the people, where he would um, pour blood upon the mercy seat, and then the mercy seat contained the Ten Commandments uh, that were broken, uh, Aaron's rod that budded, and the um, manna. And also, the temple represents Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked through the temple when this very temple was being built. He said, destroy this temple, and I'll rebuild it in three days. They say it took us 46 years to build this temple. You mean you're going to rebuild it in three days? He was talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And this was also the same temple that was destroyed in 70 A.D., which Christ had had talked about. And also, he talked about the altar. Now, the altar was a very important important for the people because the altar is where people brought the sacrifices to, to. And these sacrifices was either a lamb without spot or blemish or a male goat. Now, this lamb or this this animal 
that was brought to the priest, the priest would be given to the priest, and the priest would slaughter the animal, and the blood would be poured upon the horns of the altar as an atonement for their sins, which represents Jesus being atonement for our sins. Now, the interesting thing is that when the person brought this sacrifice to the priest, the person knew that what was happening to that animal should have been happening to them. So that animal served as a substitute to die in their place, just like Christ serves as a substitute to die in our place. What's the moral of that story? Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham was told by God to take um, his only son, Isaac, up Mount Moriah. And he was going up Mount Moriah, where Christ was, would be crucified at, on Calvary Street. And the, um, he had everything that he needed, and he built an altar to the Lord, and he took his knife out, about to kill his son, and the angel of the Lord stopped him from killing his son and gave him some encouraging words, and he seen a ram in a thicket, and that ram in a thicket was offered as a sacrifice in place of his son. What's the moral of that story? Abraham represents God the Father. The son represents Jesus Christ, who is the only son of God, is God so loved the world, who gave his only begotten son, whoever believed in him should not die, but have everlasting life. And then the Hebrew writer didn't put it like this, that Abraham believed that if he killed his son, that God would raise him from the dead. And Jesus believed that he laid down his life for his sheep, that God would raise him from the dead. And so it's a very important thing to, to understand. And then the last thing is, it talks about is them that worship. Now, Christ is the one that we worship. It's the Greek word, pronounced in the Greek. This is in the present participle verb form. It means those who are presently worshiping. And we know that God made us, created us to worship him, because when he met the lady at the well, and she began to say, our fathers worship in Jerusalem, Jesus let her know this is not a geographical location we worship at. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And even a lot of the psalms that David wrote were messianic psalms, meaning they were about Christ. And these psalms, psalms were used in, the, in, in times of singing worship in, in the choir. And it's also even noted by scholars that noted that when Jesus Christ was being crucified, a lot of scholars believe, and, and, and it's noted that when he was being crucified, that the disciples, as they were going up the hill, they began to sing worship songs and worship God. And David led worship throughout Jerusalem. So what is really true worship? Worship is putting God first. The Bible says, do not worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, but search first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added on to you. Not your money, not your house, not your car, not your 401k plan, but you seek him first. Christ is the one who is to be seek first. He says, seek first him, and so it's worshiping him. God has created us to worship him. We worship it. Worship comes in the form of preaching, the form of prayer, the form of of uh, raising your hands in the air, the form of your lifestyle. That's what it represents. And so we worship God by we worship God by our lifestyle. And so this is what is so important in all of these verses. And this is why, in terms, he says to measure these things, and God measures our worship. We are to worship Him. And this ministry worships Christ by the preaching that's, re- that's being written. Amen. Uh, you know, by the love that's being extended to people. See, CC, that's that's good, man. That's good. I'm gonna give Rick some time, but that's I'm very touched by your uh, your homework and your assignment and the way you have exegetically done your homework. Uh, well done job, mm-hmm. well done job. And you just need to continue to do what you're doing and growing and connect with the fellowship and 
and just continue to let God use you. I mean, we're really blessed. I'm going to talk to you more about this. I want to give Rick some time, but I'm going to talk to you more about this. But good good job, well done job, and we'll pick up your prayer next time because we want to give Rick a little time before we close. But keep up the good work. Keep letting Christ work in you the way he's doing. Mm-hmm. Excellent job. Yeah, excellent job. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You, you need right. to be in a healthy church where you can – uh, teach that. Yeah, well, you can yeah. be teaching and yeah. uh, breaking things down. Right. And God will get okay. you there. God will get you there. All right, let's okay, get the, God bless you. Let's get the Rick real quick. Rick, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm here. Let me say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, because we're talking about the first coming and the second coming. Amen. The- uh, amen. It's, it's uh, get to your question real uh, quickly, so we'll give you some time. What's on your heart? Well, I just want to say that I, I had a, a little setback. I mean, I, I learned never presume anything. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, right now I'm being tested. My patience is being tested. But uh, right now it, it's, a, it, it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a setback in terms of uh, my recovery, but uh, but the Lord, the Lord is, uh, is teaching me patience. He's teaching me not to assume. But, uh, you know, but, uh, but but all things will happen in, good, in their good time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we're going to keep you in prayer around that. Thank you for the, the, the update regarding that, uh, Brother Rick. Yes. Yeah, I don't go into detail right now because of time. Mm-hmm. And I'll save the, the question I had uh, for another time, too. Yeah, we'll save the question for another time. But um, And you're doing okay now, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 at, I'm at the acute care center where I was before right now, and slowly I'm getting my strength back. They're getting rid of the uh, lactic acid and the E. coli bacteria that that hit me, mm. but uh, it's it's only temporary. It's a, it's only a temporary setback. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I need prayer. Give 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 me the encouragement to persevere. Amen. Uh, amen. But we're gonna have uh, Brother Gary too. Uh, lift you up in prayer right now. We want people in the Bay Area to join in with us to pray for Brother Rick right now because he's a faithful brother in the Lord, but he's been really going through mm-hmm. uh, diabetes, Parkinson, and a few other things. And so he just needs encouragement. His left side of his body just, uh, you know, uh, went numb on him, and uh, he, the emergency people have to come out, the paramedics. So let's pray for him right now. Mm-hmm. Lord, we just lift up Brother Rick right now to you, Lord. He He's faithful, Lord God. He loves you, Lord God. And you, we know that you're faithful even when we're not. And you're the great physician. You've never lost a case. And we just pray, Lord God, that you would touch Brother Rick from the crown of his head to the bottom of his soul, Lord God. Bring healing, life, restoration, and wholeness. We pray that you give him uh, peace and also encouragement, Lord God, to know that you're standing with him, that you'll never leave him nor forsake him. We ask, Lord God, you encourage him and bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us, so please drop us a note. Let us know how this program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Please keep us in your prayers. Until next week at this time, when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.